This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Okay, 1 Peter 2. But I want to talk about, uh, I think something that kind of, uh, I kind of, the sort of denomination church I was in when I grew up, when I first started. This was a, an impre- this was a really, really something that was very much preached on very much. We don't tend to hear it so much today, but I want to talk about the priesthood of all believers. Uh, I think it's a vital truth that sometimes we lose sight of, and uh, particularly for the evangelical wing of the church, it's often a great truth. Often we kind of know it, but kind of lose sight of the, the truth of it. Very awesome to think that we are all priests. Amen? Every one of us are priests. I don't want to talk about the priesthood of all believers. I want to talk one aspect of that. But 1 Peter 2 verse 5, amazing verse, declares our identity of who we are. 1 Peter 2 verse 5. You also as spiritual stones being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. Two Corinthians two verse fourteen. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of the knowledge in every place. Again, an incredible, powerful truth. This is a great picture. The uh, Bible pictures us that Revelation one sixteen says that we are. We are kings and we are priests. Oh, that's an amazing, you know, great identity description that we're priests. Oh, that just, just grips that's amazing that we are, we are priests. And there's different aspects of the priesthood, but there's one aspect I want to just think about this morning. And that's the fact that the, one of the real emphasis, one of the real jobs, if you like, one of the real functions of a priest was a priest carried the presence of God. That was one of the functions of the priest. There's lots of other functions that, they were there for intercession, they were there for uh, offering sacrifices, and that's a great aspect of us, part of what we are as priests. But I want to just to fo- focus just on that one, that one function, that as priests, we are called to carry the presence of God. And that verse there in 2 Corinthians kind of defines that, because it says that, that in Christ we always triumph. Isn't that amazing? That word always. Let me see that as a strong definition. Always. There's almost this sense that always, that we always, ultimately at the end, always come into victory and triumph. Now, through the victory, through the triumph, as we face a challenge, as we face a very difficult circumstance, as, as something rises up against us, through that, the Bible says that as we triumph, the result of it is that we leave the fragrance or something of the presence of Jesus through that. In other words, when you go through a challenge, when you go through a difficulty, when you go through something hard in life, 
And you come out of that with a triumphant attitude, then you have a testimony, and through a testimony comes something of God's presence. How many found that? When you hear a testimony, when you hear of what somebody has come through, as we heard just earlier about the history, when we hear what somebody has come through, the challenge, the difficulty, the hardship of that, something in you feels something of the fragrance of Christ. Have you ever found that? Someone shares an amazing testimony. And something of the presence of the fragrance of Jesus is released through that. Through a testimony comes a release of God's presence. Isn't that wonderful? And Paul says, because we are priests, because that's our role, that's our identity, that's who we are, then we always leave, wherever we go, wherever place we're in, whatever circumstance we're in, whatever situation we're in, then we always should leave something of the fragrance and the presence of Jesus. Amen. Now, turn with me again to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. I just want to build on this, this sense that we are priests, and as priests, we are called to bring the presence of God, the presence of Jesus, into situations of life. Hebrews chapter 9. One or two, two scriptures. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 2 to 5. For the tabernacle was prepared, the first part, in which was the lampstand, the table, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censers and the ark of the covenant, overlaid on all sides with gold, which were the golden pots, which had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Of all these things we cannot now speak in detail. I haven't got time to look into it, but if you go to Exodus 22, 25, it talks about right there, the mercy seat, where God would speak to them, where God would reveal himself to them. And there's this picture that, you see, the Old Testament really is a shadow. It's a picture of what we experience in Christ. Everything in the Old Testament really is a picture of Jesus. Everything points and reveals Jesus, so many things. And, and here's, to me, is a, is a great picture of this. The Bible speaks of a tabernacle. The tabernacle was separated into three parts. There was the outer court, there was the holy place, and the holies of holies. In the holies of holies, that is where the priest entered into And that is where they encountered the very glory, the very manifest presence of God. Now, in the holies of holies was a, they called the Ark of the Covenants, which was a box. And again, that's an amazing picture of Jesus, because that box, that Ark of the Covenant, was was a wooden box covered with gold which speaks of Jesus' divinity as well as his, as his humanity. He's, 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 he was both man and both God. Mercy, and and on, above that box was the mercy seat. And the mercy seat was where the blood was applied. The priest would apply the blood on the mercy seat so that we 
were able, or the priest was able to come into the presence of God. And we recognize that. As we before, it all reveals Jesus. Now, in that box, in that tabernacle, was what we call was a pot of manna. I think I shared a few weeks ago. The word manna means, what is that? That's basically what it means. And it was obviously where it was, some, it was where God fed them through in the wilderness. And so there was, was a pot of manna in that particular box, that tabernacle, in that Ark of that Covenant. And that reveals that Jesus is the bread of life. He is the only one, his presence is the only thing that can truly satisfy the cravings of the human heart. Isn't that beautiful? You know, there's a verse, I love the verse in the Song of Solomon. It says, your love is greater than wine. The term of wine, really, they used wine in the Bible to, to, to reveal, almost it was seen as, as the greatest of human pleasures, if you like. And what that verse says is that, that experiencing your love, experiencing your presence, is far greater than any earthly pleasure. No matter how great, how awesome pleasures of this world are, nothing compares to experiencing and encountering his love. Amen? So there was this box of manna. There was also, we're told, Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron was once challenged about his, his authenticity as a priest. And God revealed his calling by causing a, a dead piece of wood or a dead branch, if you like, to bud, to come to life again. And that was placed right there. And that reveals that Jesus is the resurrection. He's the resurrection and the life. And that tells me today that whatever situation maybe has died right now, could be a dream that's died, could be a vision that's died, could be, could be something in your life, a relationship, something that has died, but Jesus, because he's the man of resurrection, can resurrect anything that's died in your life. Amen, isn't that wonderful? He's a resurrection and he is the life. How many are glad about that? I just love to think that his power to restore and bring back to life is so incredible. And, and sometimes we see situations that seem apparently to have died and we can't see any hope in those situations. Finally, we would see Jesus is the one of resurrection. He can resurrect anything that's died in our life. So here is this kind of tabernacle. The manna, the, the, the rod that budded. Also we're told that was the Ten Commandments there, the tablets of the Ten Commandments. That reveals that Jesus is the Word made flesh. The Bible says that every promise finds their Amen in Jesus. Isn't that great? That every promise God has made available to you and it finds its agreement in Jesus. Jesus says yes to that promise. So whenever you see a promise, the Bible says that you can, Jesus says yes to that promise in your life. You've got a need in your life and Jesus says yes to that promise. I can meet all your needs according to your riches in glory. So every need, every promise is there. Jesus makes those promises available to you. He brings the word to life, amen? He says, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are what life. 
The Bible, the promises of God are alive. They're vibrant with living life. And Jesus brings them to life. So yes, let's just, let's just think about this. So here is this ark. Here is this ark that, that there the prince of God, it represented, it was where the prince of God was. There come a time when David was going to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. That was the desire of his heart. And so what they said they would do, they had this great idea, that they would make a cart, a new cart, and on that cart they would place the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God. So they thought it was an amazing idea. So they put this Ark of the Covenant on a cart. As the cart is moving, you may remember the story, it's a bump in the road, the man called Uzziah touched the Ark and he struck dead right there. Which speaks of the awesomeness, the holiness of God's presence. But what it did show to David is that, as a, that in order for his presence to be carried, God's order and God's word had to be followed. Because there's the point. The ark was never to be carried on a cart. It was to be carried on the shoulders of the priests. That's what the, the Bible declared. That's the, as God revealed it. That the, the ark was to be carried on the shoulders of the priests. Isn't it amazing sometimes we can come with so many great ideas but unless it's of God, then that is a new cart and it will never carry the presence of God. In other words, we have got to so allow our lives to be directed and aligned to the Word of God. It's only when our lives are aligned to the direction and the principles and the Word of God that the presence of God comes. If we want to see God's results, we've got to follow God's ways and God's word. I think sometimes that, that when we, we are good at producing new cards and new ideas and new things and new methods, it's only truly when we align ourselves to following the ways of the Spirit and obeying the word of God that the presence of God will come. God's way will always bring God's power and God's anointing and God's ability. So we have to make sure that our lives are aligned to the Word of God. If our lives are not aligned to the Word of God, then we're never going to know the presence of God to the dimension and to the level that God desires. Can you say amen? I really believe that so strongly. So what happens is, is as they begin again to, to carry that car, the the Ark of the Covenant is, pre, is, is placed on the shoulders of the priest and they carry the presence of God. And that's a picture of us. That we are called to carry the presence of God. Paul puts it this way. Don't you yet know that your body is a temple of the Holy God? Your body, your, your, your life, you are the presence of God dwells in you. We are carriers of God's presence. Isn't that awesome? He no longer dwells in a box. He no longer dwells in a temple. He dwells in you and I. And so God has called us to be carriers of his presence. That is our chief role. 
That is, if you like, the privilege that God has called us to be, carriers of his presence. How many realise with privilege always comes responsibility? And so God says, you are my priests. And as priests of the living God, royal priests, how many glad that you're royalty? You're royalty. Royal blood flows through your veins. You're royalty. You are royal priests. You're born into royalty, the royal family, amen? <laughs> the royal family. Kings and priests to the Most High God. And part of that responsibility, part of that work, that job, God says, you are to carry my presence. Let me ask you this right now. What does it mean to... to carry? What does it mean to, to have God's presence? Because sometimes we only think that if, if it's a healing or a miracle, that's the only thing that, that reveals God's presence. I think there's many ways we can experience and encounter God's presence. How many realise that when you feel peace in your heart, how many have found that's the presence of God? In the midst of conflict, in the midst of storms of life, in the midst of things falling apart, something in you feels peace. How many of you have ever felt that? You just feel such peace in your heart. That is the presence of God. I just, I mean, love that peace, that sense of peace. Because Jesus says that I leave you with my peace. Because that is evidence. That is a manifestation of my peace. And if you were to say to me, what is the greatest need today? We need peace. Because there's turmoil around us. Things are falling apart. There are challenges. There are conflicts all around us. And the greatest evidence of God's presence in the day in which we live will be peace. Because peace will keep us together when everything else is falling apart. It's interesting, the word peace means shalom, which means wholeness. And the one thing that conflict often can do is tear us to pieces. Tears us to pieces inside. Can tear families to pieces. Can tear all kinds of things to pieces. But peace brings it together. It brings wholeness. It brings a sense of harmony when things are falling apart around you. And that's the one thing that the world recognises as something different to something special. When they see someone at peace, they realise that is something that you have that they maybe haven't got. Peace. Every time you feel the love of God, that's feeling the presence of God. I just love that at times when you just feel his love just flowing over you and just saturating your life. You just feel his love. Isn't that wonderful? You just feel his love. When you feel his love, you are feeling his presence. The love of God. The Bible says the Holy Spirit sheds in the broad in our heart. The love of God. And you're just so conscious that you are loved and you are beloved of God himself. Accepted in the beloved. Grounded and rooted in the love of God. That love that just reveals to us the presence of God. I think joy is an incredible evidence of God's presence. In his presence there is what? 
fullness of joy. So the more I encounter him, the more I will encounter joy. The joy, the joy of God. Experiencing and encountering his joy. That is evidence of his presence. His strength is evidence of his presence. And so these are levels and certain ways that God manifests his presence to us. Obviously, healings and miracles are other ways, but these are things that we can encounter on a day-to-day basis. Every day you can know peace and experience his love and experience his joy, experience his strength. And just know his presence is wonderfully with you. How do you experience it? Let me turn to Leviticus. Leviticus 16, because let me tell you how you can experience his presence. Leviticus 16, verse 11 to 14. And Aaron shall bring the bull of sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself for for his house, and shall kill the bull as sin offering, which is himself. Then he shall take a censer full of burnt coals off the fire from the altar before the Lord, with his hands full of sweet incense, beaten and fine, and shall bring it inside the veil. And he shall put incense on the fire before the Lord. The cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on, on, the, tent, on the testimony, lest he die. And you shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his fingers on the mercy seat, on the east side before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. So those are some levels of his presence, but how do we experience his presence? There's the first thing. Blood. The blood shed. We want access to the presence of God. We need to recognize the power of blood. Because by blood we address our sins and our failures. Sin separates us from God's presence. But through the blood of Jesus, through his blood, as we repent, as we confess, as we believe the blood of Christ, it enables us to have access into God's presence. Isn't that wonderful? You come solely on the basis of blood. I think sometimes we lose sight of that. Sometimes we think it's our performance that gives us access. Ever thought of that? If you have a good week, and maybe you've, you've, you've had a good week, you've done good things, then you kind of think, I have more right to have access to God than when you have a week where you kind of messed up a bit. But the only true basis of access to the presence of God is through the shed blood of Jesus. Through that one offering, says the Bible, the power of sin is broken, the curse is broken, Every failure is forgiven. I'm glad for the blood. Without the blood, you can never really encounter and experience the presence. And I think more and more, we need to be so conscious, so aware of the power of the blood. Can you say amen? Next thing we're told 
is that they are to have their hands full. That means that no holding back, no half-heartedness, giving God your best, coming with hands full. Incense always speaks, is always symbolic of praise and thanksgiving. And so the Bible says that you enter his course with praise and thanksgiving. Fullness of praise, fullness of thanksgiving. And I think, I feel this very strong in my heart, that five minutes of half-hearted praise, of, of full-heart praise, brings you more into the presence of God than 30 minutes of half-heartedness of praise. And so we're told to, to come with whole-hearted praise. And remember Ishmael. Remember Ishmael? He, he was, I don't mean in the Bible, I mean the guy Ishmael. He, 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 he did praise things for children. If you remember Ishmael? Remember Ishmael? Nigel does his age there. Uh, and he wrote, I just love one of his songs. He said, it's amazing what praising can do. Oh, that's an amazing song. Amazing what praising can do. And you'll be amazed what praising can do. You really will. In fact, he, he created that song and he created two characters. He called them the glories and the miseries. The miseries were the ones that didn't praise and they're the ones without the spring in there. Remember that he had like, these characters with springs in their sockets. And he talked about the miseries who pull the springs out of the sockets kind of thing. And, and his whole song is about the glories and the glories because they've realised it's amazing what praising can do. And we found that sometimes you, you feel maybe distant from God, everything's so well, overwhelming you. And suddenly you make a decision that you're going to praise. You're going to bring a sacrifice of praise. And it's amazing how the whole atmosphere of your life begins to change. It's amazing what praising can do. The next thing was this. They're told to bring censers full of coals of fire. That speaks of, it was God who lit the fire the job of the priest was to, call, was to keep the fire burning. God lit the fire and the priest's job was to keep the fire burning. Let me read you a verse. Romans 12, verse 11. Remember, this isn't a kind of... This is not a suggestion. This is not a good idea. This is a commandment. Not lacking in diligence... Fervent in spirit. And that word fervent there means boiling over. It means being on the boil. Boiling water cannot hide its expression. Steam just comes out. I mean, Angie, she's got a massive burn right there on, on her, just on, I think on her, what you call it, elbow, right there. Because steam just got her, got her arm and really gave a nasty burn. So when water is boiling, there's an expression to it. And here's what we're told. That when, the, that when we've got our fervent spirits, we give expression by being passionate for God. And the goal is this. Not just to receive fire, the great challenge is to stay on fire. Because people can receive fire, people can encounter God's fire, but the real challenge is to keep that fire burning day after day after day. And that's what the Bible says. Never be lacking in zeal. Making sure that you are continually on a daily, daily basis fervent in spirit. You have a fire, a perpetual fire, 
burning continually in your heart and in your life day after day after day after day. I think it was Smith Wigglesworth said, he says, God, he says, God's people should be perpetual flames of fire. Every day, every moment of our lives, we need to be continually burning with the fire of God. And this is what the priests had to do. Their job was to clean out the fire so the fire could continually burn. Now, my job at home is cleaning out. The, every you hate that. It's all, all the ashes and you're cleaning all out. If you don't, it's very hard. You can't light a fire, is that right? You've got to clean all the ashes out, clean all the stuff that's there, the bits of wood and everything else that's still there. You've got to clean all that out so the fire can continually burn. Our job, really, in spiritual priests, is to remove everything that causes the fire to diminish in our lives. Anything that clogs up the fire has got to be removed. Any single thing that blocks that fire, that causes that fire to doubt, has got to go. If you don't clear the fire out, the fire's going to go out. And you've got to remove anything that clogs it. Anything that causes the flame to diminish. Anything that I know in my life that is contrary to the will and the purpose of God for me has got to go. Otherwise, the fire will diminish. And the job of the priest is to make sure that fire is perpetually, continually burning by making sure it's clear enough for it to burn. Ever thought about boiling water? You know what boiling water does? It purifies the water. And that's what the fire of God does. It causes your heart to so burn with God, the enemy has no access to your life. I think it was Reynard Bonker said this. He says, you know, flies never land on hot stoves. In other words, it's if they do. But it's an obvious truth. In other words, the enemy is not going to land on your life or my life if the fire's burning. He has no access. He has no open avenue to my life as long as I keep the fire of God burning. It's when the fire begins to grow low in my life. My heart and life becomes open to the works and the strategies of the enemy. How many have found that? But as long as I keep the fire burning, the enemy has no opening into my life. So we've got to keep the fire burning. Amen? Keeping fervent in spirit. Now, I think the goal of what I'm saying today is that it's developing a consciousness of God's presence on a day-to-day basis. You know, you think about it. What you are most conscious of is what's going to rule in your life. If I'm more conscious of my problem than I am of God's presence, that's what's going to rule me. How many have ever found this, that you are conscious of a worry or an anxiety over your life? You're just very conscious of it. And you walk into a room, and I've sometimes when I've had some pressure, some problem overwhelming me, and I'm more conscious of that, thinking on that, meditating on it, and it's overwhelming. The moment I walk into the room, you know, Angie's going to say, what's wrong with you? I don't even have to say a word. Because she is conscious that I'm conscious more of the problem, more of the difficulty, more of the anxiety than I am of God's presence. And it, it shows, it reflects. So what I'm most conscious of is what I'm going to radiate, is what I'm going to reflect from my life. And the goal of priests is to develop such a conscious awareness of God's presence on a day-to-day basis. That's what people become aware of. That's what people, they may not be able to 
right or, or, or realize what it is, but they are conscious and aware of God's presence on you. And what you're most conscious of, most, you're most aware of in your life right now, is what you're going to reflect. If you're more conscious of your problem, you're going to manifest that. You're going to reflect that. If you're more conscious of a fear, you're going to reflect that. You're going to manifest that. Whatever you're most conscious of in life is what you reflect. Heavenly so I want to be more conscious of God's presence. Pra- I love Brother Lawrence's book. Practicing the presence of God. It is said of that man, he was more conscious of God's presence washing the dishes, how I don't know, but he was, <laughs> more than even when he had his own devotional times. He'd learned in a day-to-day moment to develop a conscious awareness. Whatever he was doing, he was conscious of God's presence. Can you say amen? Now let me bring this kind of landness, if you like. How do we release God's presence? How do we release the presence of God? How do we release it? Just on some of them already. So I tell you how we release God's presence. You release God's presence by loving people. Words, kind actions, being generous. Every time you express love, you're releasing God's presence. Why? Because God is love, is that right? So every time I show acts of love, acts of kindness, encouraging words, every time I do that, I'm releasing the presence of God. I release the presence of God by being joyful. I tell you, more and more I'm seeing that one of the great releases of God's presence will be when joy flows from us and we release joy. We release God's presence when we release peace. As I said earlier, peace. Jesus was asleep in the storm. And the disciples were were full of fear and they woke him up. And he just simply said, storm be still. What was in him, he released and manifested. See, you can't release peace unless you've got peace. You can't manifest something you haven't got. And the more peace flows in me, the more I'm going to release that peace. You can come into conflict, hard, difficult situations, but if your heart is at peace, you can come into the most conflicting situation and you can bring stillness into that situation. You can bring harmony. You can bring peace because peace is what is within you. When Jesus sent out the 70 disciples, this is what he said to them. He says, when you go to a house and they receive you, leave your peace. In other words, you've released something into their environment, into their atmosphere. And that's what we can do. We can be people who release peace into conflicting, hard, difficult environments. Peace. What's in you, you release. I think we can release the presence of God when we pray for people. Every time we pray for people, we're manifesting God's presence. Every time you've got an opportunity to pray for someone, pray for someone if they're sick, if they've got an issue, if they've got a problem, say, can I pray for you? Because every time you pray for them, you're releasing the God's presence into their situation. Amen? You release God's presence by keeping sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's a big one, and I'll close with this one, really. Keeping sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I remember once we... In our, in our garden, there were two doves. 
And they just always would stand, always just sit on the tree. I just used to watch them for ages, just watch these two doves just resting on the tree. But the moment a door banged or there's some noise, they just flew off. And the Holy Spirit, we're told, the symbol of the Holy Spirit is a, is a dove. And it reveals how sensitive the Holy Spirit is. The Puritan writers would often say, the Holy Spirit comes by foot, relieves by horseback. He is sensitive. We can grieve him. And part of our ability to release the presence of God is to recognise and realise what grieves the Holy Spirit and adjust our lives accordingly. Let me bring you one verse. Ephesians 4, verse 30. Ephesians 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamour, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. And that Greek word there for, 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 sorrow, for, for grief means to, to bring pain, to bring sorrow. In other words, if we expect the Holy Spirit to remain, then we need to make sure that we don't do anything that grieves him, that makes him fly away. When I was about nine or ten, I think it was, I had a budgie. In fact, I grew up with a budgie. I kind of grew up in that, yeah, of a budgie. I know his, his name Joey. I can still remember it today. Joey. Joey the budgie. And I always remember we used to open this cage and this budgie used to fly out. And the thing I used to like, it used to kind of, it used to sit on your shoulder. It used to rest on the shoulder. And that used to, I used to kind of like walking around with a budgie. You know, maybe not a parrot, but it was a budgie. I used to walk around with a budgie on my shoulder. That used to be kind of cool. But one thing I noticed, if I kind of tripped over something or stumbled, the, the budgie would kind of fly off. Or if I moved quickly or did a wrong turn, it would fly off. And, in a strange sort of way, that's what we've got to live our lives like the Holy Spirit. We've got to live our lives with such a conscious sense. Is there anything I do that grieves him? Is there anything I do that could cause him to, to leave and, and fly off? In Ephesians 4.30, there's a whole list of things there that grieve him. We're told that if we carry grudges or resentment, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It says about wrath or, or wanting revenge grieves the Holy Spirit. Anger, when you lose control and give way to the fury inside you, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Evil speaking, that's tearing people down, tearing people apart. Have you noticed that so many of those things are all to do with words? I kind of struck when I looked at it, I thought, wow, we don't actually take account very much to our words. But here I'm told that my words can grieve the Holy Spirit. The power of the tongue, the, the power, of, the, the, the power of, of life is in, is in the tongue, basically. And I, and I kind of became so conscious that I read this, that often the things that come out, our unbelief that comes out of our mouth, our bitternesses that come out of our mouth, our, our judgmental words that come out of our mouth actually grieve the Holy Spirit. 
Henry said, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. So, I have to sort of make sure that my words are under his control because words can grieve the Holy Spirit. Things in my life that the Holy Spirit is convicting me over that are wrong. If I don't put them right, they grieve the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit departs. I think we need to make sure that we never ignore the Holy Spirit. How do you like it if, if you got invited to someone's house and you got invited to someone's house and they just let you sit there? They would go and make themselves a cup of tea. They would watch the news. They would put their feet up. And they would do all kinds of things and never talk to you, never acknowledge you. And you would find after a time you think, I'm out of here. You know, I'm gone. They're totally ignored. But dare I say sometimes we can do that with the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. And yet we can often ignore him. Not recognize him. I love at times just to sit down and say, Holy Spirit, I love you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with me. I can't do this without you, Holy Spirit. And just begin to commune with him. Just begin to acknowledge him. Just begin to recognize my need of him. And the more I begin to commune with him and acknowledge him and, 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 and commune with him, the more conscious I sense the presence of God. Because the Holy Spirit brings the manifest presence of God. And the more I commune with him, the more I recognize him, the more I refuse to grieve him or or cause him to, to fly away, if you like, the more he will work in me. Now, not the Holy Spirit will ever depart from you, but you can lose the manifest presence of the Spirit. I was just thinking this. If we were just... Let the Holy Spirit have his way in our lives. And we would not grieve him. And we would allow him to just flow and work in us. We'd be amazed what he could do through us. I think we'd be staggered at what the Holy Spirit could do through you. Our only job is not to hinder him. Our only job is not to block him. Our only job is not to grieve him. If we would just let him do what he wants to do, I think awesome, amazing things would happen. Him would say that. And that's how I just let the Spirit of God flow out of me by being sensitive and not grieving the Spirit of God. Very quickly, let me just say this. I think acts of faith release the presence of God. When you step out, every time you step out for God, every time you step out on His Word, every time you, you, you step out in an act of obedience, every single time you do that, you'll release the presence of God. Have you noticed all the miracles that Jesus did often came by acts of faith? Is that right? Every time someone made an act of faith, Jesus did a miracle. God always responds to acts of faith. If we don't step out on faith, then we're not going to see the manifest presence to the level that we need to see it. I think sharing Jesus releases the presence. Every time you share Jesus with someone, every time an opportunity opens up and you share Jesus with someone, every single time you do that, the presence of God will manifest itself. Amen. I think spiritual gifts are ways in which God releases his presence. The Bible says that when we release a spiritual gift, it's the manifestation of the 
spirit, is that right? I wonder today, and this came strongly to me, maybe this gift that you need to stir up again. That prophecy, that word God gave you. Maybe a certain gift that God put on your heart to release. And the Bible says, stir up the gift. Don't allow that to be dormant because the more you release the gifts of the Spirit inside you, the more you will experience God's presence working from you. It's a challenge. But when you do it, you'll see an incredible manifestation of God's presence. So all these are ways that we can release the presence. As priests, we carry the presence. But the goal is not just to carry the presence, but to what? Release the presence. Let me close with one last verse. Psalm 133. I've got to read this because this is such a, a beautiful psalm that kind of, I suppose, sums up what we've been looking at this morning. I won't say much about it, but Psalm 133. Verse 2. And he's speaking about the priest. He said, it's like a precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. Here's this picture right now. The priest saturated with oil, absolutely saturated from his head, over his beard, over his clothes, and as it flows off him, it leaves a mark, it leaves a footprint. Have we found that oil always leaves a mark? Is that right? I remember years and years ago, there was this, years ago, there was this thing, where we said, we, everything that moved, we anointed with oil. It's like a thing, you know, let's anoint with oil. And I remember this one guy had this idea that he'd anoint every seat. So he anointed all the seats. I didn't know who was doing it, but he anointed all the seats with oil. Just little bits there, just put on the back of the seat. He anointed them all with oil. And I'm saying goodbye to people, and every time I look, there's a mark on their back as they walk out. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to say anything, but everybody had a mask. And I thought, I could tell who's been, because they all had a mark on their jackets or a mark on their trousers. Every seat was anointed with oil. It left a mark. Here's the point. That we become saturated, we become so saturated with the Holy Spirit. So absolutely saturated and filled to overflow with the Spirit. But the reason is so that we leave a mark. We leave evidence that we are filled with presence. Wherever we go, there's a mark that says you were there. Maybe peace you left. Maybe a sense of joy you left. Somebody may be healed because you were there. Somebody received a, a testimony because you were there. But something of God's presence, a mark has been left because you were there. And what was in you flowed out of you. In other words, I get so filled, I leak. And that's what God desires for us today. Priests unto God. Carriers and releasers of his presence. Let's just stand, shall we, for a few moments. Hallelujah. I just want you now, just in these few moments, just to say to your own life, say, Lord, thank you today. I'm a temple. I'm a priest, a royal priest. 
I'm a carrier of your presence. Help me to develop a consciousness, an awareness of your presence. That wherever I go, I carry you. Whether it be my mar- whether it be the workplace, the marketplace, whether it be in my home, whether it be in my community, wherever, if you like, I go, I carry the presence. And let me leave a mark to say that you were there, that your presence was there. To say, Lord, let your joy, your peace, your love, your fullness just saturate my being, saturate my life. I just want to touch this generation, not just with clever words, but with that sense of your presence. Hallelujah. Carriers of the presence. Father, we come to you today and thank you, Lord, that you've called us priests, royal priests. Lord, how amazing, how staggering that we are priests unto God. Thank you that we are carriers of your presence today. And Lord, the the yearning of our heart is that we would release your presence to all kinds of situations and all kinds of circumstances, Lord. We want to release your presence to others. There are so many people that we rub shoulders with day after day that, Lord, need your touch that need your presence, that need something from you to, for them to encounter you in some way. Lord, I pray, though, Lord, in our everyday circumstances, as we go our way to everyday situations, Lord, would you cause us to release something of your presence? Cause us to, to release something, a mark of your presence in those situations, Lord. Lord, today, cause us to just do that, I pray, that, that we would just be so overflowing with your presence so filled with your presence, so overwhelmed by your presence, that, Lord, wherever we go, we would leak. And, Lord, we we pray today, Lord, if there's anything in our lives that grieves you, anything that, Lord, is causing you, in a sense, to shut down in our lives, Lord, we want to today remove that today. Lord, we want everything to be removed so there's no blockages, no hindrances, Lord. So you just flow out of us and through us. For your glory we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. As we close this morning, if you need prayer in some way this morning, uh, we'd love to pray for you. And people here, just to minister and just pray for you today. If there's a situation you'd love prayer for, we'd love to do that. So just spend these moments, you know, one of the great ways that we bring his presence is through worship. Worship brings presence. So maybe as we close this morning, let's just worship him. And say, Lord, we want your presence above all else. If there's any lack we have, we want your presence. That's the greatest thirst and the greatest yearning of our heart today. It's your presence. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.